0: Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. As always, I'm your host Brian and I'm here to guide you through the next hour of concert memories. Before we get into it, I just want to acknowledge that there was actually no episode last week. That's because we had quite a few things going on, or as we say in Ireland, we were flat out. You see, we launched our website last week, so that's going to be the number one place to keep up to date on everything to do with Concerts That Made Us. So be sure to check it out. We also spent the whole week recording episodes every single day, so you've got some excellent content coming your way over the next month or two. And finally, if any of you follow us on Instagram, you'll be well aware that we were involved in a podcast championship for the last week, which was great fun. If any of you aren't aware, head over to our Instagram page and take a look. So this week's guest, I'm excited to let you know that we're heading down under to talk to Matty C from the excellent Astro League podcast. So get those Alf Stewart impressions ready, throw another shrimp on the barbie, because without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey Matty, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Brian. This is a real thrill for me.
0: I'm delighted to have you. It's one I've been wanting to get done for a while now.
1: It is uh, pretty wild for me, too, uh, just given our time zones. We've had to do some gymnastics to uh, both be up at the same time. And uh, so I'm sitting in my car at five o'clock in the morning. (laughs) It's pretty good.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, man, that's dedication right there. I had to get up for five o'clock this morning for work, and I wasn't able to talk to anyone until I'd say 9 a.m. Like, So the fact that you're doing a podcast at 5 a.m., You have to get some sort of award for that.
1: Oh, thank you. This is just how important this is to me. That's that's what it's saying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. So uh, you have a podcast called the Astro League podcast, which you were kind enough to have me on. Uh, Do you want to tell some of the listeners about it?
1: I would love to. Uh, It might be difficult to imagine, Brian, being on a podcast like this, but uh, my football podcast is an American football podcast. I'm Australian and I've lived in Australia my whole life and stumbled into American football about 20 years ago. And uh, I I ended up playing in a league here with a local team. And uh, once we all started getting a bit old and having families, the team sort of fell away, but we started playing fantasy football. And my show is much more based in the fantasy football. So it's a very nerdy part of being an American football fan because at the bottom of it all, I'm a very much a spreadsheets and a numbers kind of guy. And, and it went from that to just uh, recently starting up this show, which was much more aimed at delivering information to the guys in the league. But we started having so much fun with it, we decided we'd publish it as a real thing. And uh, yeah, it's kind of the Aussie FM breakfast radio style of... Um, uh, of talking football and, and sometimes not even football. There's a lot of tangents to be had. And uh, it is, it's, yeah, I guess unashamed fun is how we're, uh, we're presenting at the moment. It's just Aussie guys talking garbage with a bit of American football thrown in there for good measure.
0: <laughs> that sounds very entertaining. I've uh, I've listened <laughs> to a good few of them now and uh, I always get a good laugh from them.
1: Well, we are uh, trying to throw in a bit of Aussie slang as well. How do you go with that part, right?
0: Uh, it's interesting trying to figure it out or trying to transfer it into Irish slang.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's one thing our cultures have in wonderful common though, is that we've got a very unique sense of humor each, but we share that we've got a unique sense of humor and, and especially around words. Mm. So I I can imagine that there would be a bunch that is transferable, but it just sounds very brash and silly. Yeah. Um, And I, and I think it's, sort of almost the same way but the opposite when you hear really great traditional slang from from way up north there's so much wit and uh, cleverness in it that it's hard not to appreciate
0: yeah yeah it really is um the american football thing though it's very interesting it's uh it's not one you'd automatically think of when you think of australia the first thing that comes to my mind when sport with australia is aussie rules so, I was a little shocked when I came across your podcast first. And I was like, right, is American football like a big thing in Australia? What's going on here?
1: <laughs> yeah, when you asked me about it, you said, man, I've been dying to ask you. And I thought, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I was part of what I thought would make the show a little interesting, too, because you can get American football content anywhere, really. There's just so much content in that space now. So, I thought, well, the thing that makes us stand out the most is that we're Aussies. So let's really lean on the Aussie part of it. And and the sport here isn't humongous. Really, the part that draws a lot of people to it is that because everything in that sport is so trackable, there's just such liberal betting laws here that you you can carry an app in your pocket that you can just bet real money on real-time sports events on. And I think that's the big draw is that often when I hear people talking about it out in the world, uh, they're talking about it in terms of betting on it. Um, and and for me i i talk about it because i like watching it for me it's like a game of chess with humans as pieces <laughs> uh, and, and coaches making the moves but also with that element of human brilliance and human disaster and both of those things are equally entertaining to me so that that's sort of what drew me into the sport as it was and it's not a huge thing here but those who who like it you know there's a, a good enough community here a nice small tight community here of people who Especially in my town, who play or are super interested in it, and uh, I've just been lucky enough to be in that community here for such a long time, and and then discover, oh wow, you know what? I could actually start talking about this and and publish some stuff and see if anyone else cares too much about uh, listening to that content from Aussie accents, and and that's been the fun bit for me.
0: Cool, cool. Have you uh, have you had any feedback from Americans? How do they feel about Australians covering American football?
1: I've had a little bit of feedback, yeah. And the thing that makes me really happy about it is they say, "Well, you clearly care about the football. Like the football analysis is um, is bang on, and that's that's you know you ca- you can't sort of fake that bit. You either like it and you're interested and you spend the time watching it and, and then you understand what's going on, or you don't. Uh, so so that bit flies, which is cool. But again, there's a sea of that out there. So the, the novelty of it coming from people with odd accents who say funny things and and are really brash and, and are playing these." I guess almost characters of themselves as well. I think that's the the FM radio part is that when you throw open the mic, you're not being 100% just the, the person you go to work as. You sort of, the fun aspects of it and the silly aspects of it are dialed up a bit and you really are a bit more of a character. And And that's been a lot of fun is having people say, oh, well, the, the silliness is great. The analysis is right on. Uh, and, and so that's been the majority of the feedback I've had. Wait, not that I've had a lot of it yet <laughs> <So> <laughs> if you're into American football come and check it out
0: <laughs> yeah definitely definitely I've even uh your instagram page is uh your comedy and sense of humor comes across really well there with some of the posts you put up especially uh my favorite one was well I have two favorites the first one was your faces on the uh oh, what's it called in America the you know the statues of the or the mountain of the presidents
1: yeah that Mount Rushmore I'm so proud yes. of that <laughs> that
0: is awesome I know we were talking about it on your show as well but uh <laughs> yeah. it's
1: I want to get that made into a whole bunch of uh merch I think because I love that so much oh you have to
0: <laughs> you have to that will sell out <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my second one was one you put up the other day with uh Taylor as Superman
1: oh yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was, a, that was a good one. I could see that on a T-shirt as well, actually.
1: I think he really liked that too. I didn't tell him I was going to do it. But when mm. he told me I could use his likeness, I have gone full on into that. There's a whole bunch more of that silliness sort of in the pipeline too, where I started looking up things like famous duos, famous trios. Because, of course, we've got the third fellow in our show. There's myself, who is sort of the anchor of it all. And then Taylor, who flies in and out. And he's very brash and very funny. He spends a lot of time working on the jokes as well. So I make sure I laugh extra hard at his jokes. And then I've got a third bloke in there named Seahorse, which is just in that, you know, wonderful spirit of having a ridiculous nickname. Hmm. And uh, he's very much more business-like, which is kind of funny. You wouldn't expect that with a, a bloke who goes by Seahorse. Um, so the three of us all being super different as well, I think really helps the show long. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I think, especially at the moment, we're, we're sort of leaning a bit more into the let's have fun with it. Um, so these the, the, the social media is is trying to keep pace with the let's have fun with it
0: mm, yeah yeah it's uh it's great um i urge all my listeners to to find it and give it a listen they won't be disappointed
1: oh well, thank you mate that's very kind of you to say <laughs> i appreciate that uh just real quick you'll find us in a few places too we're we're on everywhere you can get an eye like we're everywhere that you can get a podcast we're Well, gosh, you can find us anywhere that you just jam in Astro League Podcasts through Google.
0: We better start talking about the concerts,
1: please. Oh, yes.
0: I feel like this is an episode now I might actually learn about some new bands I haven't heard of before.
1: I really hope so, because I've been to I'm not a massive concert goer, but gee, I've been to a couple of fun bands that I'm really sort of pleased to get a bit of a window of opportunity to share
0: cool cool you came to the right place so
1: well that's why i was so thrilled when you said uh, on my show when i I brought you in and put you through a ringer of (laughs) trivia questions about american football which you were gracious enough to do to say oh come by my show we'll talk concerts and i thought this is going to be the best so um, i'm pretty excited to be here brother
0: i'm good good so uh the first one i normally start off with is how would you describe your musical taste
1: Yeah, I think I'm very influenced by Brit rock and especially that really sort of mid to late 90s sounding Brit rock. In the formative musical appreciation years, I was very deep into the Radioheads, Oasis, The Verve. um, Wow. Yeah. Stereophonics. There's just a real particular sort of edge that I was into way back then. Very angsty 15, 16 year old. So <laughs> 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 feeling all very forlorn about himself, I think. Uh, that that edge of that sort of has always carried on. I think if I had to list uh top 10 bands, it would be majority um with sort of Brit Rock in that kind of part of the Brit Rocker sphere. Mm. Uh, but then it also have a bit of an Aussie flavor in it too. There's a terrific Aussie band here that I don't know how far it's really spread from Australia called Powderfinger who put out albums for a good 15 or more years that are really terrific. And in that kind of feel, they're very much influenced by those same sorts of sounds. But then I've also got this funny little edge where as a teenager, not much different in age to that, I discovered an American band called They Might Be Giants, which were just seemingly absolutely um, limitless joy and, and silliness. And, and then not much after that discovered an Australian band that were kind of a bit the same way, but far more uh, inappropriate called Regurgitator. And those two <laughs> bands are definitely in a very separate box to all that very serious uh, cranky British music that I was listening to. <laughs> <laughs> so I fall on both sides of that. There's the part of me that's like, I'm going to listen to something like Moby and Drive in the Rain and Feel Forlorn. And then there's the very silly oh, let's just listen to a song about a guy who's saying that youth culture killed his dog. And that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> two very different sides there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good though. You have to have a, a good mixture and a wide, a wide variety of taste.
1: I think so too. Uh, I Then at around 21 years old, got given a copy of Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which is set in like the mid 80s. And the soundtrack on that was killer. And I just went and discovered as much 80s electropop as I could. So there's definitely a huge bit of that in my uh, in my Apple Music account too these days.
0: Yeah, I think, I think everyone in their, uh, in their 30s can thank Grand Theft Auto for uh, widening their music tastes.
1: Oh, 100%.
0: I think there was a mission in that game actually where you had to save Phil Collins or Phil Collins had something to do with the <laughs> mission. That sticks out in my mind for some reason.
1: Oh, that's really great to think that you were doing the missions. I was just throwing cars off car parks and beating people up. <laughs> <laughs> Straya! <laughs> oh. You forget that we're a convict colony. There you go.
0: <laughs> well, I was trying to keep away from that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a sense of humor about it. Not everyone here is touchy about that.
0: <laughs> oh, so the. Uh the first single or album you ever purchased
1: this question when i was thinking about wow i am really automatic with this because i remember it and, and this is a conversation i've had with a lot of people in the past is that my musical taste as a teenager was really patchy so the first single i ever bought was this dance track by an american group called the real mccoy And it was One More Time, this big chart buster for them. And gosh, for a while there, even in my late 20s, I had as my ringtone. I I definitely (laughs) had an affinity for that song and I was not backing away from. uh, I was owning it 100%. That was the kind of cheesy pop music that I'd liked at one point. Uh, The first album that I ever bought was the They Might Be Giants album. So I'm glad I've brought them up already. They're two dudes from New York, both named John. And they've got this supporting ensemble band who, um, yeah, between them, they've been making music. They, they started about, oh, 86, I want to say. So about the same time as Metallica, I guess. And they're still pumping out tunes now. And uh, their album was, uh, was called Flood. It was one they put out in 1990. But I picked it up much, much later. There was a really fun song on it that it was kind of a bit of a song that was big in our family, on my mum's side of our family, which is odd. Um, for those who would be interested in checking it out there's the song is called Istanbul not Constantinople and it's just a silly little song about how it's a city a very you know prominent city historically that's just changed names and you know if you've got a date with a girl in Constantinople she'll be wedding in Istanbul it's just it's the silliest thing <laughs> uh, but the whole album is in that vein it's really a beautiful take your brain out and just enjoy being taken on a silly little journey kind of album and i'm so glad it's my first album
0: it sounds like a very good one i'm uh i'm gonna have to check it out now after this
1: (laughs) it's it's truly very silly um if you can't get some joy out of it i think you've got to be dead inside it's just (laughs) such a a lovely silly you know 48 minutes of your life to listen to all 19 tracks because a lot of the songs are very short too Gosh, one of the songs 13 seconds geez it's just yeah it's such a silly album i love it
0: i think i might actually listen to that whole album now on my drive to work tomorrow morning
1: well <laughs> oh, really <laughs> i would love to get a review from you <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> um so this brings us to your very first concert
1: Gosh, this I think will be uh, a nice excursion too. Because the first two concerts I went to were Aussie bands, right? The first one that I I remember going to was an Aussie band who were a bit punk rockabilly, and I went with a mate, uh, and they're called the Living End, and it was at the refectory at the university here in Canberra, the University of Canberra, very imaginatively named, <laughs> and it was um it, it was actually really wild fun. I hadn't sort of been in a that sort of punk indie rockabilly kind of uh group of folks in a big social setting like that. And they that were just wild. That was so much fun. And the band was so full of energy. They'd had this really big song in the few months before they started this tour called prisoner of society that had been number one here for, Oh, maybe more than a month. It was real catchy mm. and, um, real. In that cheeky sort of screw authority kind of way we'll do what we want, you know? Um, but also, uh, ultimately, society does set the rules and we're a bit caged. Um, so it, I think it was easy for anyone to kind of have some relationship with. And, but it was catchy as all heck. So, you know, they've done well. <laughs> and that, that was that was a wild. And then only a, a little while later, I was back at the same venue to see this, an, another Australian band who were very much more back in my lane in that very um, nice sort of inspired rock, no frills kind of Um, genre where called the super Jesus and they've at that point been around for a while and were probably on about their third album and I I was really looking forward to going that to that on my own I sort of wasn't rung in by a mate to go to that one I was really legitimately looking forward to seeing that um, that 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 concert because they again that had a couple of songs that had charted really really well here but I just don't know that they ever got terribly far off the island in terms of um, in, in terms of notoriety, but they, they were a fairly big deal here in that late 90s, and, uh, yeah, they, they were terrific. Really enjoyed seeing Super Jesus, too.
0: Oh, I've actually never heard of them, so I, uh, I'll i have to look them up afterwards as well, but it'd be interesting to see if they uh, how big they were elsewhere, you know, or were they just based in Australia?
1: I kind of wonder sometimes how far these bands get, too, because, oh, gosh, I think anyone who's in the British Isles would know Australia's big export, Kylie Minogue. But then I just yeah. don't know how far she ever got anywhere else. Although she won a Grammy. Of all things, Kylie Minogue won a Grammy for a dance song. I think that it was probably really, really mislabeled. But she has a Grammy for a song called Come Into My World. And it's not even a particularly great song. She's got all these other <laughs> wonderful songs, really beautiful, catchy some are really well produced. Some are really of their time and and stood up well in the music world for what we were getting at their time. And then she wins this Grammy of all things, this enormous award for a song that wasn't even terribly good in a weird category. Um, <laughs> surely you'd know Kylie Minogue, right? You've got oh, to have definitely. Yeah, she uh,
0: <laughs> she was massive over here, and she was probably one of my first crushes, actually.
1: <laughs> no way! Yeah. That's so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not from the British Isles or you're not from Ireland or you're not from Australia, I just don't know how far she goes. You know, I just don't know that. So she won this Grammy, but I don't know that a lot of Americans would know her. I don't know that she got terribly far on continental Europe. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. some of these really big markets, I just don't know how far she got, but gee, people like her and Tina arena and some of these, you know, real odd Australian artists have done well in the UK and Ireland, but that's kind of it that I know of. I just don't know that they do well terribly much further.
0: Yeah, I know Kylie was in a couple of films in Hollywood. All right. She was in this really bad version of Street Fighter in like 92, 93. Yes, she
1: was. <laughs> but
0: uh I I'd love to actually know, did she actually break America? Was she big? You know?
1: Yeah, I'd love to too, because I mean she won that that one award, but I, I don't know that she got much bigger. The big expert we did well with over there was Keith Urban and his country.
0: Yeah, actually. And to some people, it's a shock when they find out he's actually Australian.
1: It is. It is. It's really odd. But then, you know, if you put him next to someone like Hugh Jackman and both got him to talk, they sound the same. You know, That's he very brings true. it up a bit because I think it's his brand. But, you know, no one's surprised that Hugh Jackman's Aussie, but people seem surprised Keith Urban's Aussie and they practically talk the same. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have to ask you, it just popped into my head.
1: Oh, tangent time.
0: Yeah, who's your, uh, your favourite Minogue, Kylie or Danny?
1: Does anyone answer Danny to that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wouldn't think so.
1: <laughs> Answering a good question with a question. I've seen Danny Minogue live too, actually. Um, really? She supported... Oh, God, who did she support? We were in Sydney at the, um, the big basketball stadium at the Olympic uh, facility there. It's constantly changing names, but it was originally called the Superdome. I think it's uh, sponsored by some bank now. And I can't remember who she was supporting. Oh, gosh, it might have been when she was supporting. God, we've seen a lot of acts there. I can't even remember. (gasps) She wouldn't have been New Kids on the Block Backstreet Boys. God, we saw that when that was a thing. My wife has taken me to some really dodgy concerts, by the way. (laughs) We've been to Boys, to Men, we've been to i've oh, got brian adams we've been to brian adams at wollongong with yeah we've been to some weird places because the wife's she's definitely to blame for a lot of my concert going as an adult i don't all know right. that i would have been a massive concert goer at all if um she didn't come from a family with a massive big music culture of going to concerts and i'm really glad that she has because i've been to a whole bunch of weird concerts so, I've Seen brooks and Dunn at country act three times now it's just um, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, I've seen them. Like I've just been to some odd concerts, you know, and that alongside New Kids on the Block and Max Tree Boys as a combined act. Oh, yeah, I've been to some strange stuff, man. Weird stuff happens on this island.
0: <laughs> that has to be the most eclectic range of concerts I've actually heard, though.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah,
0: and I wasn't expecting it at all.
1: <laughs> so you say eclectic, I would say... It sounds directionless. I mean, it just mm. sounds like I'm turning up to anyone who's willing to give me a ticket. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it's, uh, it kind of does. Oh.
1: So we got there. Your question was, let's just review here. Do you like Danny or Kylie Minogue better? That's yeah. how we got to that answer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you can see what my show's like. like. Uh, Brian comes on my show and, yeah, it was a bit like this. Question and where we got to with the answer, not necessarily related.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, I'm always saying that the tangents are the best parts.
1: Oh, I think so too. I think this is the conversational style of these sort of shows is the best because it really does just give people the latitude to follow their memory or follow the the timeline of their story and have the other person sort of then pull them in or or just nudge them in a slightly different direction, and you just wind up in some cool spots and you learn some mm. interesting stuff. Or, you know, you, you hear a story that you, you weren't expecting to hear. Uh, I definitely have found in the last month or more where I've been interviewing people on my show who do very different podcasts to mine, I'm finding myself thinking, man, I didn't expect to hear somebody say that when I got out of bed this morning. And really grabbing myself to be like, this is such a oh, an amazing conversation to be having, especially since the majority at the moment with people from completely different parts of earth to me We've had such different experiences in life and sharing such cool stories. I have to sort of remind myself to go, dude, this is so wild. Make sure you really appreciate how cool it is to be hearing this story from this person from this other side of earth while you're sitting in a car at silly o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't happen to everybody. Appreciate it.
0: I was just thinking how many other people can say they've done that or had that experience.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, I think that'd be rare. Um, and, and I think that's why you've really got to make sure you take the time to appreciate as well. And to be pretty uh, full of gratitude for for the cool things that you get to do and the cool people that you get to talk to.
0: Definitely. Definitely. By the way, the, um the series that you don't, or you're doing on your podcast is great though. You know, giving exposure to other podcasters and find out a bit more about them and exposing them to your audience. It's, it's awesome. Like, you know,
1: Thank you very much. I've been very, very lucky, though, because we're in a little group of some terrific independent podcasters who've a few of these folks have been willing to come on my silly little show. And in a very similar way, as we started off here, I get them to talk a little bit about their show and really get a good chance to give it a bit of a plug. And we have a bit of a, you know, we, we end up off on a few tangents, which is lovely too. Um, but then to make sure it's a bit American football, I run them through the ringer of a few questions at the end to try and make it still. Oh, okay. So hang on, you're an American football podcast, but it's been great because gee, you get to have some cool conversations. And I mean, I think I've published three or four of those and each one has been something fantastic where I've just learned something that I, I don't think I could have had the exposure to learn any other way. So I, I definitely feel a whole bunch of gratitude for the opportunity that have people come through and just share some stuff and Hmm. uh, i think it for me just as an individual it's it really does open your mind a lot to what the world's like outside your nine to five monday to friday um and and it's a great thing to be able to have that access and that people are willing to just open a mic and talk with you and happy for you to record it and publish it i I think that's so wild
0: yeah yeah it is it's a I have to ask, though, does it feel weird sitting in front of a mic and not talking about American football? I know the last couple of minutes <laughs> are American football questions. i brought
1: it all the way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's weird to me to think that I've been um, asked to come on a show about concerts because I would not consider myself a big concert go-op.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, big fan of music. And at one point was as a community radio DJ in the early 2000s was really into my chart music and really thought I was going to be the next big FM DJ over here. Um, so I was, oh, man, I had some lofty dreams. Uh, so always had this wonderful relationship with being in sort of and around all this music, uh, but was never much of a concert goer. So the idea of being on this concerts podcast was kind of, yeah, it was it was an odd thing for me to get my brain around. But then, then again, I think you would have had the same thing if three weeks ago someone had said to you, you're going to be on American football podcast, Brian. <laughs> and you're gonna like, to have to no answer trivia questions you'd be <laughs> like yeah that's that's such a strange thought
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it really is it really is but then i always think to myself six months ago if someone had said i had i'd have my own podcast i would be like not a hope would i ever have the balls <laughs> yeah. to actually do that you know
1: i'm glad you have because i've done that thing too of um getting back and listening through some episodes and You can really hear the the getting into stride and um, sort of working out the identity of what you wanted it to be to start and then where you kind of have to adjust the nip and tuck given sort of some things that change that you don't always have a lot of, um, maybe you don't always have all the steering wheel on. Like Hmm. uh, once once you've started getting musical guests on and they're talking about their music, well, that's definitely different from those earlier episodes. And gee, that episode we had the music producer, the person who ran their label was so interesting. Cause again, that was a whole different shift of gear, but by that stage, you've just gotten so nice and polished at being the interviewer. Um, you did such a terrific job at that interview. I really, really enjoyed listening to that.
0: Oh, thanks. I really appreciate it.
1: No, welcome.
0: It was an interesting one. It was a, an interesting change. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like any of the other episodes, really. It wasn't uh, no. really based around concerts or anything. But again, I thought to myself, it'd be such a waste to have this person on the show and not find out more about their life and, you know, their work and stuff instead of being just asking them what concerts they've gone to.
1: Oh, it was really great. It was like looking behind, you know, so when you talk to a band, you kind of sing behind the curtain. Yeah. But then you talk to her and it's like seeing behind the curtain behind that.
0: Yeah, um, exactly.
1: You know, it was just a whole different trove of things to find out and and she was so great she was just so willing to talk about practically anything i don't think there was a question you could have asked where she would have been like no nope, not answering that one that's a bit touchy <laughs> she, she was just so willing to give it was ah, oh, it was a beautiful yeah. interview i think you did such a cracking job too
0: thanks a million thanks a million oh you're welcome so the uh we better trace there back to the concert so <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure. <laughs> um, so your last concert you've been to,
1: I have to think really hard about this because obviously the world's been a bit different lately and not everywhere's uh, been able to whack on concerts regularly. And it, it made me think, gee, the last one I went to would have to have been that Taylor Swift stadium tour that she did in 2019 or 2018. Mm. It was sort of right at the end of the year, too. It was summertime here. Uh, which I think for a lot of folks is wild to imagine that summertime is right near the end of the year, start of the year. Uh, but yet we it was the first concert I took my children to. So I've got two daughters who are sort of primary school aged and I guess at that stage they were maybe nine and six. And that was a terrific experience for us to be able to take them to a humongous concert. This is a person who's kind of at the peak of her powers could fill out a stadium, how many nights in a row, whatever number you come up with, she could probably do it. Hmm. And, you know, for that to be a show, that's also suitable for my children to, to go to as well, that my wife and I could enjoy. Like it was just such a perfect mix of a lot of things. And the timing was kind of wonderful too. And there we are in the Olympic stadium. It's Sydney on a rainy night watching this, you know, maybe one of the biggest musical acts in the world at the time. With, with my own kids, you know, it's, it was just such an amazing combination of stuff.
0: Mm. It, um, it sounds like a special sort of uh, experience, really. I often think to myself, I wonder what the first concert I'll bring my daughter to. You know, secretly, I'm hoping it's something like Metallica, but I'm sure it'll be, you know, the <laughs> next big pop star. But uh <laughs>
1: I'm glad I took them for to that instead of something really sad and my, you know very you know all that British stuff that I've loved so much. Mm. <laughs> I don't know that my kids would love that so much. They they kind of groan when it's you know my turn to put the music on in the car. They like my wife's uh playlist a lot more because there's a lot more pop music in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She she knows how to keep the crowd happy. I just listen to music I like. That's that's the tipping point. <laughs>
0: oh just tell yourself they like it too
1: i don't think they will though brian i don't think they'll ever get i don't think they're gonna get there but that said too i think like i've really enjoyed getting my my wife's music taste is an absolute you know scrambled eggs it's it's Mm. all sorts and this is why i end up at all these odd concerts uh and you hop in the car with her and she'll have some country song from some artist I've never heard of. And then she'll have a pop song and she'll have something that's a bit Aussie rock. And it's just, it's an absolute disaster, but it's, you know, the, the kids find her music much more accessible than mine. And mm. I don't know, I think also too, even if you don't particularly like a uh, genre of music, if you're just surrounded by it long enough, you get this level of acceptance and then all of a sudden you find yourself at a boys to Men concert, you know? <laughs> so,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> That, that might be enabling behaviour, but <laughs> uh, but it means that I've gone to some interesting things and, and seen some weird concerts, I guess, because, uh, yeah, my wife's music taste is, um, is definitely pretty broad mm. and she's you know, completely owns that. She's got such odd musical taste, um, but she, it, I guess, is just part of uh, her family's culture of things as well. When you're into the music and you see the band coming, you support them. And that's kind of something that hadn't been in my family's makeup. I don't know that my parents had even really been to concerts. It's just sort of not part of their DNA at all.
0: Yeah. Would uh, would there be more sports-centered? or?
1: Yeah, certainly my father's much more sports-centered. He's more like you support the local team. Mm. And so you go and you cheer for the local team. And uh, I guess my mum my was much more into movies and theatre. So, you know, and I wasn't so into that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really fair enough mm-hmm. um so, so yeah just the, the idea of live music wasn't um unless it was accompanying something Mum was going to see in the theater she wasn't going to see a band my father certainly wasn't he was although i did dig out a bunch of his old records at one point and um man they, yeah there was all sorts in there there was some beatles there was some uh rod stewart there was uh <laughs> it's hilarious to me to think my very you know he's a a former history teacher <laughs> sort of this real straight laced, thick black framed glasses kind of guy. This little rod steer. It just ah the image of that made me laugh so hard. Uh some some culture club in there. It was a it was a real mix, dude. It was a real mix. <laughs> so it's in there. It's in there. He just never never embraced the beast, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. He kept it well hidden.
1: <laughs> yeah, he did. It took me digging through a box in a very a dark corner of a storage room at one point to discover this and i took him up on it too i'm like hang on a second you've got a record on here that's got like fat bottomed girls on it who are you <laughs> all of a sudden i'm questioning my own identity you know uh, who is this man who claims to be my father <laughs> what have you done with the guy who bought this where did he go
0: <laughs> what was his uh, what was his response
1: well, I think he, uh, in typical very reserved sort of style, was like, "Well, you know, everyone was young once, Matthew." Ask <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me. I'm, I'm planning on hanging on to being young.
0: <laughs> exactly for as long as you can.
1: I'm trying. I'm trying. Forty is coming like a freight train, and I am willing to ignore it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be like that as well. I've, uh, I've six years left, and I'm not looking forward to it. I thought turning 30 nah. was bad.
1: <laughs> this is another tangent. I'm sorry, you're going to have to edit so much of this crap out because I'm, I just talk so much garbage. But <laughs> I can remember being 29 and starting to approach my 30th birthday thinking, oh God, well, I better have a party because if I don't have a party for 30, like what's the next time I'm going to, it's going to be worthwhile having a party? Like 40. Oh. So here I am, 29 and a half years old, thinking about planning a party because if I don't, then here I am terrified of turning 40. A 29 and a half year old already having a crisis about being 40.
0: I had a very similar thought process about that uh, the <laughs> How next time you? would have been 40 for a party. So I was like, I might as well.
1: <laughs> oh, God. So I'm now very glad that this is not just an experience of me losing my mind. But that's, that's nice to hear. Solidarity then. <laughs>
0: I remember though I had this thing in my head of like it's okay I really need to start like turning into an adult and being responsible and fully grown up I can't be any way immature and I'm 30 (laughs) now I'm not in my 20s I'm in my 30s
1: (laughs) but did you have that same conversation with yourself at 21 because I can remember doing that going oh now all of a sudden people are going to start to expect you to be really you know uh, responsible and mature and and to yeah. not be such a, you know, a mess. <laughs> yeah, really have your shit together, like. <laughs> and then for that next nine years, that wasn't really the case. So I thought it would be the case at 30. And really for the next eight plus years, it hasn't been the case either. <laughs> <laughs> you only have to be a grown-up for a few minutes at a time, I've realized. You can just yeah. be yourself for every other time. But all of a sudden when you have to go and update an insurance policy or whatever, you just got to adults up for 15 minutes and then you can drop it again. It's great
0: exactly exactly you know what i think in 10 years time we need to have a we need to get back together now and have this conversation and see how your is <laughs> went
1: <laughs> the concerts that made us reunion tour well, exactly <laughs> i love that idea
0: where are they now
1: <laughs> yes sign me up put me on that list
0: <laughs> so um is there any song that sticks out from uh, the Taylor Swift concert?
1: Yeah, um, I can remember I was talking a little bit about how sometimes when you go to a concert and a song that you weren't expecting to, you know, give you much zing, I guess, all of a sudden mm. gives you some kind of zing because of the, uh, the setting or, you know, the way the crowds are acting or whatever it might be. This one was sort of interesting because, again, like I'm not, we weren't at a big Taylor Swift concert because I'm a massive Taylor Swift fan. It was, you know, the wife's really into her and the kids, it was a good concert for them to go to. But then I've lived Taylor Swift adjacent for more than 10 years. So you hear the songs, you know the songs.
0: Mm. And then
1: I guess you kind of, it bleeds in and you can't say you don't like her. Um, I definitely couldn't say that. But I, I think I was really surprised by uh, really early into the concert. It was, it might've even just been as they came out that whole, you know, um, the big thing about, darling that the games begin oh gosh mm. i can't even remember what the song is maybe it's maybe that's even the name of the song that the games begin oh gosh this is how much of a fan i am but <laughs> they've done a good job of just breaking that part of that song out mm. which doesn't appear too much later in the song but oh it's called are you ready for it that's the name of the song are you ready for it which is a great way to start a concert right are you ready it for it like the, 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 yeah yeah and and they've just done a great job of just isolating that and it was like it was a No, no no other instrumentation behind it It was just kind of like the voice of going. I'm not going to sing. No, let's not do that, Maddie. You know that, darling. Let the games begin. Let the games begin. Mm. And then just kind of stopping, even though the whole crowd knows the next bit is "Let the games begin." Ah, ah. So the crowd does that. No, no, she's pulled it back, and she's like, no, no, we're going to do this again. And 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 just that building of the anticipation before she came out. And, and I don't know that this wouldn't happen at every concert because I mean, you're seeing somebody who's at the peak of their powers in a stadium that has probably 75,000 people in it. Mm. So that has so much bang in a setting like that where, you know, if she's playing in front of a much smaller concert or she's doing it in 10 years time and maybe her star's not as high, it probably doesn't have the same bang, but gee, yeah, that you could just feel that the energy in the stadium was getting palpable because everyone knew what was coming next but it wasn't coming but it wasn't coming she was kind of drawing it out it was, yeah it, that's a bit that stood right out in my mind about that whole gig It was just it just started just turned right up and it mm-hmm. never really slowed down
0: it sounds like a. it actually sounds like a very good gig i uh, i wouldn't be a lover of taylor swift but i think that really shows her showmanship
1: oh a hundred percent and you could see that she was enjoying it you could yeah. see that yeah. She's at work and I have to remind myself when you see people in doing their concerts that this is just the equivalent of having a crowd follow me around and watching me sell smoked bacon. <laughs> um, except that is uninteresting and her job's super interesting. But she's essentially at work, and you see guys like Robbie Williams just jump around the stage with all the energy of a guy in his twenties, even though we know he's not a guy in his twenties. Mm. But you can just see how connected she is to being that performer on the on the stage, and that that's the joy she gets out of it. The writing of the songs, I'm sure there's a bunch of joy in that. But she, you can see just the the joy she gets in performing the songs, and that's hard to hide. and And I think that that, that does really show in the way that she spent so much time putting together how the show is going to work because. I mean that—that's, I guess, in anyone who's sort of got a bit of a marketing sort of background or, or, or sort of used to trying to interact with an audience in a way. Um, gosh, you can—you can really see the thought that goes into, okay, we're, we're going to give them something, and then we're going to restrain and just see what they do about it. And if they're sort of then on the edge of their seats, then we'll know when the moment is to bring her out and get the most bang out of out of that anticipation, and that you'll have the crowd practically salivating for Taylor Swift to come out and i find that super interesting as well that there's you can just you can see how much work goes into the background to creating that moment and that's happened 12 months earlier at a desk in some crappy office in some city full of skyrise buildings far away from a stadium in sydney you know yeah and I, I can appreciate that
0: that's a really interesting thought process actually i would never have thought that you know and it's it's so obvious but i just i wouldn't never thought that
1: but this is where my brain goes on this stuff though, too, because I'm such a process, my brain's such a process thing. And this is, you know, this is why I'm into American football statistics, is that you know, I like to break stuff right down to where it began and go, you know, well, where does this moment start? Mm. Um and and yeah, reflecting on things like that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's where that moment probably starts, is in some stuffy corporate setting where there's three guys in suits and hers sitting around going, so how do we do this? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am a year and a half later. On a rainy night in a stadium that's just jam-packed and uh, out of frenzy. And it's like wow, they really made this happen, and they made this happen 35 times on this tour, or however many stops they did. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: It is, it is, and uh I'm actually starting to think that you're uh you're secretly Taylor Swift's uh the leader of the fan club in Australia, that it wasn't the wife after introducing you to her or anything.
1: I'm now realizing that's how this sounds <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> i mean regurgitator didn't have the same thing when i saw them Regurgitator definitely weren't thinking about it that hard <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh um so we'll uh before you admit to uh, anything else with taylor swift we'll move on to the next concert the uh what was the worst concert experience you've ever had
1: i realized this too as i was writing this out i'm like man dude You've you've been to see Belinda Carlisle a couple of times. That's kind of weird. But the, probably the concert that was the most awkward was when we went to see Taylor Dane. And I don't know that everyone's going to know her either. She's not Australian. She was an American singer. But she she said was one of those real powerful voice American singers. And she had this great song in the mid-90s called I'll Be Your Shelter. And I think it's one of those songs that if you heard it, you'd be like, oh, this song's been on the supermarket my whole life. Hmm. Um and, and she had a bunch of those sort of songs too, Heart of Stone. She had four, three or four really big singles. And so, you know, we saw she was playing at this social club as part of this tour she was doing. And it was really awkward because I think I could tell anyway. I don't know if much of the rest of the crowd was telling, but I got this sense that she felt she was so disappointed that she had to play in front of just a few hundred people in Canberra. The town I live in in Australia isn't the biggest town. It's it's the capital city, yeah, but, you know, it's far behind Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide. It's way down the list on, on you know, cities in terms of population, so it's, it's not a massive crowd. She's playing in this suburban sports club for a local sports team, and I, I think it might have been one of the least impressive places she had to play on her tour. I didn't really sort of have to look at where else she was playing, but, I mean, I just got the feeling that she was disappointed.
0: Yeah, because. Yeah.
1: It just didn't sort of look like she was into you
0: know it. Jeez. that'd be really bad for the for the fans going to it as well. You know, I hate when yeah. I've been to concerts where where people come out and they uh, half-heartedly sing songs or you know, there's no engagement with the with the audience, it's just one song into the next, into the next, and then it's over. You know, like
1: mm. I think yeah.
0: I think what shows a good performer is no matter how they're feeling they can give the fans their money worth, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think there's a skill in that that I don't have. I mean, I'm not thrilled to my back teeth to go to work every single day. And and I, and I mean, so this lady, she's at work and she's maybe just, it's a crappy day at work for her. Mm. And maybe she doesn't know it's going to be a completely crappy day until she turns up and goes, wow, look at my day. This, this is kind of a crappy day and it's hard to get up for it. So, you know, I guess I'll defend her a bit, but it was awkward. It was just, it was awkward.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And uh were the rest of the crowd picking up on it? Do you think the people enjoy it, or were they kind of sensing that as well from her?
1: Definitely, the group I went with. Um, we we talked about it. We sort of went, "Wow, you know, she." I think she was really nonplussed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> She's playing in front of a few hundred people in this auditorium mm. uh attached to this, you know, place that you know its main revenue driver is poker machines, and here she is <laughs> playing in the room next door to that. Like, I, I think we definitely the handful of us who were in that group talked about it I mean we're also probably some of the younger people in that room as well um Taylor Dane's songs were I guess when I was an uh gosh the the late part of primary school through to the early part of high school so you know it's some time ago for starters mm. and I'm not her target audience and with you know so so maybe some of the older folks in the room were just so much more thrilled that here they are seeing this singing who they loved way back when and maybe they weren't as um as i guess removed from it maybe they're a bit more emotionally involved so they weren't looking at things as um as rationally yeah But we kind of had less emotional skin in the game so i guess we were a bit happier to critique it as well <laughs> so maybe it's a bit on us yeah
0: yeah uh i'll have to look her up as well and it'll be interesting now if that is one of the songs that i've heard in the supermarket. If I recognize You're it. gonna
1: hear if you find her three or four big songs, you're gonna have probably heard all of them, I reckon. <laughs> Come back to me once you've done this. If if you are bored enough to do this, by the way. <laughs> looking up. Hey, it might ruin the algorithm on your Google. Maybe you shouldn't. Oh
0: God, could you imagine? <laughs>
1: <laughs> A lot of this stuff I'm gonna suggest is probably gonna ruin the algorithm on your Google if you're looking up Australian bands. <laughs>
0: we'll uh we'll move on so uh okay we'll uh i'm wondering if this one will be a good one what's the best concert experience you've ever had
1: man i think probably the best concert experience i had was going to there's two answers real quick first one is that i met my wife at an oasis concert yes so let's say that (laughs) (laughs) but i think then because it's it's my home ground is the british rock uh, when Coldplay were out here for the Head Full of Dreams tour, that that was such an odd experience for me because I knew going into that concert, this is going to be like a top five moment in my life. Mm. I've loved Coldplay for a very long time. And so to see them, and I think it was the same before going to see You 2 as well, when You 2 were here on the Vertigo tour, mm. I knew going to see that, that this is going to be one of the coolest nights of my life. I'm seeing these bands that are humongous. You can't listen to music in the English speaking world and not know who these bands are. And they're on probably the biggest tours of their careers. And I know I'm going to see them kick butt. And I'm, it's, it's my job to really love this. And there's kind of a lot of pressure to like it when you go then because you're like this, this has to be, this has to be amazing. This has to be amazing. All the maths is there. that This has to be amazing. So if I don't really, really, really love it, what's wrong with me? <laughs> and I mean, so I've whipped myself up into a frenzy before going to both of these, but I think the Coldplay one sort of just pips the U2 one because it, the, the settings for that were really right. It was about a week before Christmas, um, about four, four years ago, and the night before had been the hottest night in Sydney on record for a long time. And then the next night it rained and it was so windy and it was freezing in the stadium a week before Christmas in the peak of summer here. And we were there on that second night when it was freezing. It was the last night of the world tour. So I think for them, they they could have easily just mailed that in.
0: Hmm. But
1: Chris's energy was just ridiculous. And the stadium was just because, you know, their catalogue of songs now is absurd. There's no bad song. There's no dip in their concert. It's just one brilliantly crafted and written song after another. I mean, they've definitely got that timeline of, of the evolution of the band and the different feels of their album. So when they, they, they shift gears a lot, but it's never not a brilliantly crafted song that you're about to hear. And the crowd knows it. the mm. crowd just knows it. And then you see the energy from Chris bounding around, like he's a toddler with a, a whole belly full of, you know, sherbet and red cordials. <laughs> But I think the thing that I liked the most about it too was that he was then also it, it, there was a lot going on in our country at the time around race relations with the indigenous population and he was really in touch with that and he's bounding around the stage with an Australian flag in one pocket which I think a lot of folks would know that Australian flag it has the British Union Jack in one corner and a whole bunch of stars on a royal blue background but then he was also in the other back pocket bounding around he had the the flag that represents the indigenous nations of people here the aboriginal flag and I just thought it was a really uh, it was a, a moment of wonderful consciousness and um, and just showing that he had his finger on the the social pulse of what was going on in the places he was playing to do that. And the last act before they left the stage was that he arranged both these flags around that had that love symbol that they were using on that tour. And he mm-hmm. arranged both the flags really tastefully around that at the bottom of the stage. And that was kind of the the freeze frame that was up on the the big screens as they left the stage. I just thought that was a super poignant moment given what was going on in our country at the time with the relations between the Indigenous and the, the white community and, and that he was so in touch with that and to leave the stage with those two flags joined by, by Love in the Middle was a beautiful moment um, and it, it made it, you know, just sort of, it just pulled that away from the experience of being at another one of these super big bands uh, when I went to the U2 concert, which was amazing, truly amazing mm. to go to U2 in 2005 when they were just, they could do no wrong. Um, and that that's probably the moment there that just pulls Coldplay away from you, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you touched on a couple of things there now I found interesting. The first one was uh, the way you said when you go there and for a band like that and a, a gig that big. And I feel like if they put on a bad for a bad performance, you're blaming yourself as to why you didn't enjoy it. For a band like that, it's like the band can do no wrong. Even if they were bad on the day, you're looking for reasons why you didn't like it. Like, what's wrong with me? It couldn't have been them, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I> 100% am. <laughs> and it might not be how everyone would gear their brain to think about that, but it's definitely how I was thinking about it. Because mm. um, I guess I'm thinking to myself about the excellence that's involved and the continual excellence you have to have to get to that point. And yeah. the excellence I had to do was just to earn enough money to buy a ticket and be a, a bum on a seat. <laughs> and that there's nothing special I had to do to be there. But, gee, there's it's like an elimination process over and over again of how many things you have to get right mm-hmm. in a row to be that that big and to stay that big because it doesn't take much to do something really wrong and not be that big anymore because, you know, you slipped up something socially or politically or the music missed the mark altogether. There's just... Sometimes that's all it takes—is you only have to get one of those things wrong once, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially nowadays, it's
1: like the biggest single elimination tournament ever, and so the pressure's not on them to keep the streak alive. Although you probably think that—that's probably fair. But I, I thought the pressure was on me to be like, "This is how great this band is, and this is the moment that they're probably at their best." So mm-hmm. they're not going to be dismal. <laughs> I've—I've got to be um, really appreciative of what I get to what i get to witness
0: Mm. yeah i'd be very similar now with big bands like that especially on a a massive tour you're going into it knowing that it's going to be one of them times where the hairs are going to stand on the back of your neck that you're just going to be amazed remember it for the rest of your life
1: and that moment happened too like the it's always been one of my very very favorite songs at all uh is fix you and to be in that setting with fifty thousand people singing "Fix You" in the dark, and then um, that that real big poignant moment at the end, as it's uh, as it winds up and all the music fades away, and it's just the voice. Um, yeah, that that does make the hair stand up on your your neck and your arms. And, and I guess it was already up against it because it had been so cold. It was that night where it rained and it was so windy in the middle of summer. It was just so unseasonally cold that those were already standing up. So to get them to stand up even further was probably super impressive. <laughs> uh, Mother Nature kicked our butts for two and a half hours to get to that.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but you said it was freezing and it was raining and windy. You just described like probably the best day in an Irish summer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, It sounds like that's the sort of place I'd love to visit, but not like to live. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you'd probably say the same here it's so dry and hot so much of the year
0: that actually sounds like heaven to us
1: oh that's it? You, you want yeah. to escape <laughs> come yeah, visit it's... me brother as soon as they're allowed to fly come visit
0: <laughs> yeah exactly it's just the the weather you guys have over there just seems so appealing however the wildlife you have kind of is a bit of a turn off
1: uh you don't think everything out here is is looking to kill you too, do you <laughs>
0: Not everything, about 60% of things, (laughs) I feel like I'm their dinner.
1: There is a pretty high rate of things that are either uh, poisonous, venomous, um, (laughs) uh, carnivorous. Mm. um, But, you know, the population here continues to grow. So, you know, it can't be all bad.
0: (laughs) You're doing something right.
1: (laughs) We we do have weapons. That's I think that helps, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Bug spray for starters. Oh, <laughs> uh, <sighs> it's it's not it's not complete savagery over here. I promise. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> We're not all walking around with clubs defending ourselves from dinosaurs, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Is that the image you had. If it's not, it probably will well, be now.
0: Well, you know, if any country on the planet was going to have. Dinosaurs, you know, it's going to be Australia.
1: That's really funny. Yeah, you too don't you? <laughs> like, it's not going to be, it's not going to be Brazil. It's not going to be, you know, it's yeah. any of these other exotic places that have got so much else. It's going to be that big desert island. Yeah. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, man. Oh. That makes sense. Maybe I should start perpetuating that we've got dinosaurs here. I'm doing this thing on my show where I'm trying to perpetuate that Aussies finish their conversations by saying, huru. Because right. it's a very underused saying, but it's something that especially really, really rurally, people would use a bit more, mm. but it's almost never done. And I'm trying to perpetuate that by using it as the sign-off on my show or whenever I sign off from interviewing with somebody, I'm like, all right, hooray, mate, and trying <laughs> to encourage them to say it too, like it's something that people just do. But it, I've literally met one person in my life who does it, so... maybe i can perpetuate if i can perpetuate that maybe i can perpetuate that there's still dinosaurs running around here and you've got to defend yourself from them
0: i could think of a couple of people all right that would probably fully believe you have to listen to your show
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'll get taylor to say it people seem to like what taylor says If i can get him to say it (laughs) i don't know if he's willing to lie to the public as much as i am
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to try it and let me know how it goes.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll do. I'm writing this down, man. Serious. I'm going to do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: um, that uh, that brings a close to the concert section. We're going to get slightly more personal now. Before I let you go, the yep. um, really if you could up. see any band or performer from history, who would it be?
1: You know, I had to think really hard about this. This is a sort of question you can't just be asked and have an answer ready made for and i thought about it and i just thought i'd really love to have seen prince okay because you know he's such a weird little dude (laughs) and i don't know if anyone else has this sort of feeling about prince but i can remember sort of you know well his music firstly is really super unique uh, he definitely has a relationship with music that I haven't sort of, sort of come across really anyone else having it's such, a, such a, an odd brand and a weird little corner, but he completely owns it. And I can remember hearing an Australian artist, a, a lady named Jenny Morris, who was um, supporting him at some point on some tour that he was doing, which like, he just heard of her, listened to her, came to one of her gigs and went, yeah, you should support me on one of my tours. So she, he drags her along. And she was saying, like, the dudes just he he was just kind of would be entranced by music. And he was, he would just plug in an instrument and just play over the top of her set sometimes. <laughs> just because <laughs> he gets so hypnotized into what was happening on the stage, even though he wasn't on. Yeah. He'd just be backstage and plug something in and start playing over the top of it a bit just to join into it. It's like <laughs> just a weird little dude. Just a really yeah. weird little dude. And I'd like to talk to him. I'd just like to hang out and talk to him and get to see him play
0: be a good one to pick his brain all right i feel like he was uh he was like a modern day beethoven or something just that sort of genius level when it came to music
1: yeah see i think that too maybe you described that far better than me but yeah (laughs) i've just got in my mind that he's got this level of relationship with it that no mere mortal can really understand and only comes along every so often yeah. Um and I didn't don't even think I really appreciate it until I worked with a dude who was like, Oh, you're not into Prince. You gotta get into Prince, man. And he's dead right. You gotta get into Prince.
0: Yeah, he's he's he is one of them artists so that when they come around, you'd you'd be hard pressed to find someone that'll actually say, No, I don't like any of his songs. You know, everybody seems yeah. to know him and like a good portion of their song of his songs.
1: Yeah, and I think you can't not know any of his songs because, Mm. again, like he's just covered such a range of stuff. You have to have heard it. Even if you don't know it's him, you have to have heard it.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, exactly.
1: And you don't have to like it, but I think because it's so ubiquitous, you probably at least don't dislike it, you know? Mm.
0: Yeah, that's, Yeah. uh, that's a perfect way to describe it. And even he wrote so many songs for other performers then that you'd have no idea were a Prince song. Oh, yeah. You know, like um, yeah, that's true. I don't know if you guys know Sinead O'Connor from the. Early oh, I was 90s. hoping you were
1: going to say Sinead O'Connor.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her most famous song was actually written by uh by Prince. I think he performed it first, but her one when she performed it was much bigger.
1: Yeah, that was number one over here when I was a kid. Really. Yeah, yeah. In Australia, Sinead O'Connor had a number one. Yeah, and it was that. Oh. I don't know that she had other songs that charted over here. That's kind of what she's known for.
0: Yeah. It's the same over here and she's from here.
1: <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most Irish surname you could have, as you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely one of the most common ones.
1: Yeah. And so mine's just the same. It's just, we've locked the O off over time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm almost as Irish, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure uh, if you trace it back fair enough, there's a, a good portion of you that's Irish.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's Paddy's day is a bit of a big deal over here.
0: I could imagine. I could imagine. Yeah. It's probably like America. You do it way bigger and way better than Ireland.
1: Oh, I don't know that we do. I think it just devolves into people drinking way too much beer and punching on. But isn't that in the Irish tradition? <laughs>
0: very true. Very true.
1: <laughs> I think we do it homage. We don't let do everyone in silly hats and get along. No, no. We drink and fight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Irish way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We're respecting a fine, fine tradition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the um, If you could... uh if you could quarantine with any performer from history, who would it be?
1: Wow. Quarantining. That's a different level of closeness. (laughs) (sighs) Gosh, I wasn't prepared for that one.
0: For just 24 hours now.
1: okay. It's only for a day. Uh, Oh, man. I don't know. Prince is such a weird dude. Maybe he should be my answer for that, but then that would be boring to have the same answer twice. (laughs) I'm trying to think of someone who I think would be really an interesting cat. Um, You know, I I think I'd go for someone a bit boring and try and work out what makes them interesting. Um, I spent too many years listening to Radiohead. I think it'd be interesting to spend time with Tom York and just try and spend the 24 hours to get inside his head.
0: Mm -hmm. That's an interesting one. Because he
1: doesn't give you a lot, does he?
0: No, no, he really doesn't. He is one of the more boring kind of rock stars.
1: And man, I think I could break him down. (laughs) Personal challenge. I think if I had twenty four hours, just he and I in a room, I yeah, I reckon I could break him down.
0: (laughs) That would be yeah. (laughs) That'd be very interesting to see. You'd have to like record it or make sure there was CCTV. You know what? Do like a big brother thing.
1: It'd be like a police interrogation room. That's what it'd be like. (laughs) Just us two, two chairs, a table, sketchy recording camera up in the corner and me just going after him trying to get inside his head. Cause I mean, he, that band has so much music that was really through that formative period of my musical um, journey, like through that period of being about, oh, 14 to 19, I guess was sort of when they were releasing all those bigger albums. And, and that's sort of where I was with it in that age group. Mm. And, and I mean, I was also a very sorry for myself, um inward looking sort of person at the time as well because i mean teenager so you know the world revolves around you you don't exist in it it revolves around you i guess in a way yeah and uh so i guess he he definitely has had a huge part of um of my life and so i think he would be a good person to spend the time with as well because then i can tell him all about it <laughs> 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 i'm sure he'd be so pleased to hear
0: oh i'd say he would i'd say he would it's funny though, uh, from our perspectives, you know, the fans perspective, that would be like probably one of the biggest things in our lives. And when you, th- when you flip it to like the performer, that would probably be torture for them.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Why would they want to listen to just some Neville who bought their CD and listen to it over <laughs> and over and over and over and over? Why would they want to listen to me talk about that? <laughs> you know? But gee, I'd love to get him in a room, wouldn't I? You yep. <laughs> sit <laughs> still, Mr. York. I'm going to tell you all about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh.
1: I'm sure it would be friendly. Yeah, it was, it was, it's all part of the rich tapestry of what makes me me today, Brian. So <laughs> I'm exactly. sure I'd be nice to him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have to ask since uh, the, the Brit pop and Brit rock was such a, a Big part of your growing up blur or oasis
1: uh, yeah i'd probably have to say oasis oh, God, I I blur. yeah i met my wife at an oasis concert let's just say that that tips it
0: <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> let's
1: say that it was on like a monday night so you know good night to be out drinking i think the the Gallagher's would love to know that we we're out drinking on a Monday night to watch them.
0: Oh, uh,
1: <laughs> <proud>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good thing happened with early week drinking. That's the lesson you should take away from this kids.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. How do you feel about ACDC? I had to ask her the biggest thing to come out of Australia music wise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's clearly them, isn't it? I think in excess, we're probably Second, but there's some distance between Akadaka and uh, and in excess. Um, yeah. it's hard not to like ACDC, right? It's hard, I mean, it's hard not to like them
0: exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean, gosh, just that guitar riff through uh, through the start of um, Thunderstruck,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: just that, just that. That's enough, that's enough <laughs> to like them, right?
0: <laughs> it is, it is. They're um. They're pretty iconic.
1: Well, over here, there's so many different sorts of football, right? You brought up Aussie rules football earlier. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we've got a couple of different versions of rugby football as well. And and any of those, if you just get the full stadium and before teams run out, you just start up that guitar, like the, the crowd starts to rise. You know, it's oh, yeah. just, yeah, they should make that the national anthem. They really should. I <laughs> no, actually thought shouldn't. it was. <laughs> 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 no, that is The Voice by John Farnham. If, if John Farnham, do you know John Farnham? I don't. Okay, th- this only happened in the last 24 hours. My wife was watching clips on YouTube of an American um, music guy listening to and critiquing songs that are really big in the Australian, um, Australian identity. And he was, the one she was watching as I was drifting off to sleep was um, this fellow doing a critique on this song called The Voice right by by john farnham and john farnham gosh he had a musical career spending something like 35 years over here it was just enormous uh he seemed to continually be doing this is the last tour and then a year later he'd be like no no this this is the last tour and then a year later he'd be like, no 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 this <laughs> is the last tour he just kept on going but that song the voice um it was number one over here for something like 200 years um uh, <laughs> you know like for a very long time and I don't know that it was big anywhere else, but I think it's one of those songs that if you heard it, you'd be like, oh, I get it. And I just can't believe it's not big anywhere else. The Voice, John Farnham. If you don't look up anything else of all the crap I've talked about today, definitely look that one up.
0: Yes, listeners, go, uh, go get it back into charts. Everybody rush out, stream it, and get it back into the charts.
1: <laughs> definitely. This is why a lot of the other stuff I've said has been a little questionable. This is solid gold, solid gold. I'm telling you the voice do it.
0: And the, uh, the final question then, what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life?
1: Gosh. You know, there's a part of me that wants it to be a, they might be giant song. that could just be a little bit silly. Mm. or a regurgitator song that's, you know, super inappropriate and definitely not safe for work Um, (laughs) because that's the real quirky funny. Um, But, you know, I think I'd have to play it really, um, really Brit because the the Brit music's been uh, the biggest influence in my life. And, um, you know, this is going to be probably one of the cheesy stances you're going to get. I'm really, really sorry, but I think it'd be Bittersweet Symphony.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. I really do. I think uh, I spent just enough years being really, really uh, inward-looking and really uh, uh, sad and forlorn about I don't know being a middle-class white guy whose life's actually pretty good, and <laughs> 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 but then also having those moments of uh, just that moments of outward perspective, going, oh, "Actually, no, it's not all bad, is it?" You know, <laughs> before mm. going straight back into doing some self-wallowing. So yeah, no, I I think that probably captures a lot of it.
0: <laughs> I actually and the a lot song. of fun yeah yeah
1: <laughs> it is a great song it, it's truly a great song and the film clip was fun gosh i can remember as a 16 year old me and my three mates just walking through the quadrangle in our high school and just on a beeline path and people got in our way so be it you just give them the richard ashcroft shoulder like <laughs> <laughs> that's how we entertained ourselves with 20 minutes a day at recess
0: <laughs> well, there's worse things you could have done
1: that's so dorky <laughs> what a way to wrap up thank you thank you thank you
0: I'm <laughs> oh. <laughs> so glad you had me on oh man wow oh it's been a, it's been entertaining i'm i'm sure thank it's you. going to be one of the most entertaining ones i've uh, i've had anyway i can imagine the listeners are going to be pissing themselves laughing for the for a good portion <laughs> of it
1: i'm now recounting some of the places that we've been in the last hour or so and it, yeah, I mean, either that or they're just going to be so confused. Mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> either way, I'll make for good listening.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me come by. It truly has been a blast. I've really, I've gotten to enjoy talking to you now twice in a very short period of time. And uh, I don't want it to be the last time.
0: No, no, me neither. Me neither. have enjoyed it. We'll team up mind. again. Definitely.
1: Even Definitely. if it's on the reunion tour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ten years time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Do a check-in after five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. I've been sitting in my driveway watching the sun slowly rise as well. It's a bit after six in the morning now, and it's uh, slowly rising. It's been been a lovely way to start my day, mate.
0: Good. I'm glad of it. I, uh, I'm i glad you enjoyed and I really enjoyed it as well. Thanks a million for coming on.
1: You're most welcome, mate.
0: What are you guys still doing here? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.